0: going to be reading this morning a a short passage of scripture in the epistle to the Hebrews and chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 Hebrews 4 verse 14 says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Often in discussion with uh, With people in relation to religion they will make the comment um, I don't like religion and I said no nor do I but I love Christianity because it's about a person Christianity in that sense is not a religion it is about a person And in the writer to the book of Hebrews is drawing attention to that person, his supremacy, his sufficiency, his superiority over everything. In chapter one, you've got the fact that he's so much better than angels, he has a better name, a more excellent name than angels. He's greater than Moses in chapter 3. He's a better priest and he has a better priesthood. He's a more excellent ministry. It's a better covenant. Remember the old covenant was based on do this and live or disobey and die. What a wonderful thing that we have on the throne of grace, Jesus the Son of God. A time will come in the life of every person. Circumstances or issues, pain, sorrows, disappointments where we will not know where to turn. Our closest relations, our spouses, our parents, our siblings, will not be able to provide that comfort which only Jesus can do. And what the writer of Hebrews is really saying here is he's drawing attention to someone who understands intimately what you are going through. A great high priest Let's just look at those that verse in verse four fourteen that says, seeing that we have a great high priest, first of all, whose he is. He's ours, he's our, he's yours, he's my great high priest. And let me just say this at the beginning. If we have one so great. In the throne room of heaven, supplicating for us, we never ever need an earthly priesthood. Indeed, every claim to an earthly priesthood has to be rival to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Hebrews, the Jews, knew all about an earthly priesthood, and they knew all about sacrifices you remember uh, once a year the high priest went into the holy of holies with the blood of goats and bulls to make sacrifice for the sins of the people. It's referred to as Yom Kippur and it is still celebrated except now there are no priests and there are no sacrifices and there's no need for that because Christ has accomplished that sacrifice once and for all there's no need of repetition indeed when the uh, the temple was destroyed in AD 70 only less than 40 years after the crucifixion of Christ never since then has there been sacrifices because there is no holy place to sacrifice in. Let us be clear, beloved. Jesus is so intimately involved in the circumstances of every single person. He wants you to know that. He wants you to be aware of the fact that he is there for you. He is our great high priest I love that. He's mine. He's yours. You've got access to him immediately, not in a confessional, not through a priest or a pastor. God forbid that. You can pour out your heart to one who understands every single thing about you. What a blessing, beloved. Whose he is, he's ours, where he is, what does it say? It says he's passed through the heavens. <clears throat> he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> he entered heaven itself to present an accomplished work. He, he entered, what it says, with his own blood. <clears throat> what a statement. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling these uh, Jews who had converted to Christianity but were in danger of reverting back to Judaism. He's saying, "Listen, you've got someone so great, so superior, you can't get better than this." Who he is is next. He's passed through the heavens. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. It's the it's the connection between his humanity and his divinity he understands our humanity because he was totally human but he was totally divine how to put those two things together as one said I do not know and I cannot explain but if I were to explain it I would lose something in doing so by faith we understand based on the word of God that he is fully human Able to sympathise and understand every need of every heart. But he is God manifest in the flesh. Indeed, every reference to the Son of God is an assertion of his divinity. Let's be clear about that. That there are those who ascribe inferiority to Christ in the term Son of God But the Jews understood when he said, I and the Father are one, why did they take up stones to kill him? He said, what what are you doing this for? He said, for which work do you do this? They said, it's not for a good work that you've done. It's because you, being a man, say that you are God and he was. He is everything, beloved, that he claimed to be. Jesus The Son of God. It's a beautiful tying together uh, of his humanity and how we need that. We have a man in heaven who understands our frailties, our weaknesses, understands our problems. Then he goes on to say, let us hold fast our confession. Why does he say that? I think it is because we need to constantly be in that attitude of mind and heart that we're confessing the name of Christ. Of course, we confess our sins. We don't do that to a human being, do we? We do that. We confess our sins to one who is able to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Indeed, the scripture says and asserts that your salvation is dependent on your confession. Have you confessed the name of Jesus? What does the scripture say? It says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a wonderful statement of holy scripture. Romans 10 and verse 9, that's what it says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. goes on to speak of the... We do not have a a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weakness. In looking up this, the word sympathise means, in the Greek, to suffer with us. That is that Christ enters into our weaknesses, into our sufferings, and he suffers with us. He feels the pain when you're going through circumstances in your life and surely all of us know something about it. I spent, as I'll only say it because of those here who don't know my background, but I spent eight years alone um, after a very, very difficult uh, period where I lost my wife and six children to a cult, and I can honestly say that I could not rely on a single human being. All my friends were gone. I would no one to turn to. It brought me into that relationship with a great high priest to tell him all, to pour it all out, to hold nothing back. And know the comfort. I remember reading Job and it just struck me. Even if he slays me, I'll still trust him. Beloved, do you have that kind of simple trust in our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have that? He's able to sympathise with our weakness. You know, no earthly institution Or no human can fully understand the depth of sorrow that many pass through. But Jesus does. Why? Because he was tempted in all things sin apart. Everything that Satan could hurl at Christ, he hurled at him. You remember in Matthew 4, he was driven out into the wilderness and he was tempted. Those three temptations. But what about Gethsemane? When Satan came again and offered an escape route to Christ and it says, being in a conflict, he prayed more intently. It says his sweat became as great drops of blood falling to the ground. An angel appeared strengthening him. He understands. I want you to know that that Jesus understands you intimately because he's been here, he's been tempted in all things, sin apart. And because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. What does that mean? In the Greek, the word boldly, it doesn't mean that you get into God's face or arrogant or presumptuous or tempt God. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is you come telling it all. You lay it all out because you can trust the person. It'll be confidential with him. There'll be no gossip. Gossip is a bane in many, many churches. No, you can trust Jesus to tell it all, to come boldly, lay it all out all the details you know you remember David in Psalm 51 he says he says um, against you and you only have I sinned in Psalm 32 he goes even further he says David and I'm bringing it up this up because it's a personal thing you tell the one who's on the throne of glory a man there for you you tell him everything Confide in him, trust in him. David says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Beloved, settled forever, <clears throat> forgiven forever, forgotten forever. Thy sins and thy iniquities I will never remember anymore because they've been erased by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when Christ entered heaven, he entered with his own blood. He, um, uh, he presented it as it were. How acceptable the sacrifice of Christ is! No repetition, it's not like the priests of old who came yearly and then daily, offering for the sins of the people. No, once for all, it has been accomplished. <clears throat> In closing, it says, "Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace, mercy beloved, for what we have done." If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then grace, grace for today and tomorrow and for what lays ahead. I just wanted to, in closing, read a poem or part of a poem that was written some 150 years ago. It's intensely spiritual, and I think you will gather the sentiments of this. I won't read it all, but this is what it says. With thee may I a close communion hold, to thee the deep recesses of my heart unfold. Yes, tell thee all, each weary care and grief, into thy bosom pour, till there I find relief. He's talking about Jesus. O let me walk with thee, thou mighty one, lean on thine arm and trust thy love alone. With thee hold converse sweet where'er I go, the smile of love, my highest bliss below, my saviour God, who gave thy life for me, let nothing come between my heart and thee. From thee no thought, no secret would I keep, but on thy breast my tears of anguish weep, My every wound I take to thee to heal, for thou art touched at every pang I feel. A great high priest, how wonderful. He's ours, he's yours, he's mine. Let us go to him with that boldness, that sense of awe, that sense of thankfulness that we have one there not only able to forgive, but able to sustain us in the way ahead for his name's sake. <clears throat>
1: um, but before I get Matt and Emily to come up, just so they don't get too restless, <laughs> um, I just thought it'd be nice to share um, a story about Hannah, which is found in the first book of Samuel. Um, a beautiful, wonderful story of, of this woman who, as, as Ron shared this morning, had that deep, intimate relationship with her Lord. Um, and, and, I, and I believe a desire to dedicate your children comes from that deep, intimate relationship that you have with your God, with the God. <laughs> and uh, this story is, I'm just going to read a couple of verses that's found in Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, and it just touches on this, this, this wonderful relationship that she had with her Lord, but then her desire to, to dedicate Samuel if we read from verse 24, it says, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bulls and one ephra of flour. Did you bring your bulls? Did you? No? No bulls this morning? No flour? Oh, okay. All right, maybe we'll have them later on the rotisserie or something like that. Um, and it goes on to say, And a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli, who was the priest at that time. And she said, and this is Hannah's words, and this is the part that I want to emphasise, it says, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And what happened? It says, so they worshipped the Lord there. And that's what it really is. To dedicate your children, to dedicate our children back to the Lord as he has given them to us is to worship, is to worship him. And I believe that's what Matt and Emily's heart is this morning, is they see the blessing that the Lord has bestowed upon them in these two beautiful little girls. And in them dedicating them, they are worshipping him, saying thank you, saying thank you for the precious gift. You know, as I thought upon this the last few days, I really wanted to share a bit of a story of, you know, of, of dedication or of, of someone who... and and give an explanation of what it was, but of someone who really showed their desire. And I came across this message from a couple. It reads, I won't read it all, but I'll read part of it. It said, we have shared before with you how I was worried that we would not be able to have a baby. And I cannot say how how many hours have been spent in prayer and with thankfulness, at their safe and healthy arrival. And obviously now that if it is the Lord's will that we can keep them, that they eventually will make make their own commitment to Christ. And it is our commitment to try and be this example for them, like my mum has been always to me. And it would not feel right that we don't dedicate them back. He has given us the greatest gift his own son foremost. How can we give anything greater back than our own dedication to humbly try and be a reflection of the greatest love, a greatest gift of love back? They are most precious to us and still it seems so little in comparison to what he has done. The people who wrote this are sitting here with us this morning. That is their heart, that is their desire, that they want to be a picture of what it is to have a relationship with God. And they want to dedicate these two beautiful girls back to the one who gave them to them. So I'll ask if they'd come up now and um, we're going to have a word of prayer together and then there'll be opportunities the photos they look so beautiful so do the girls <laughs> and then uh, we've got just a couple of certificates which we're going to sign so um, after we have a word of prayer feel free to come up and take some photos if you'd like but let me just pray for these guys heavenly father what what a privilege it is to be here now lord and to to have this special occasion lord what a wonderful example it is that, um, uh, that desire that these two beautiful people have in dedicating their two wonderful girls back to you, Lord. They they acknowledge that they're a gift from you, Lord. They thank you for them and they want nothing more but to say thank you by dedicating them back to you, Lord. It is so wonderful that we as a church and as, as the family here can have... Um, uh, partake in their life and partake in the growing up in their life lord may we always be an example of your love towards them may we always be an example of 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 the grace and mercy that you've uh, bestowed upon us lord we thank you for this privilege that we can gather here lord and that we can um uh, we can have this time such a special time of dedication lord And may we echo the words that Hannah said all the days of their life. All the days of their life, Lord. We thank you and praise you for the God that you are and for the love that you have shown us. And we want to praise you and thank you now by dedicating these two girls to you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So. There was a, I'd asked the guys if if there was something, a special song of, of sorts that they would like to close the service in and um, they've chosen one, uh, brother, sister, let me serve you. So why don't we all stand together in the closing of our service this morning and sing this song. We'll sing verses one, two, five and six.
2: Let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are sisters on the. Each other walk the mile and bear the load. When we sing to God in heaven, we shall find such harmony. Born of all we've known together of Christ's love and death. sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my
1: servant too. Amen. As John said, there's a beautiful morning tea out the back, so please stay around and enjoy a cup of tea and some fellowship with one another. Thank you for being here and God bless.